Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Good morning. How y'all doing this morning? Got a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, awesome. I, uh, my wife and I... Went down to North Carolina to visit family. We had a great time. I hope y'all did as well. Um, today, we're going to talk about some rules to live by. That's the name of the message, and um, that's what we're going to talk about today. And when you first think of this, when you hear rules to live by, I know everybody is like, oh man, we're talking about rules. Why do we always talk about rules? And if we're all honest, you know, none of us really like rules, do we? None of us, you know, as soon as someone tells you, this is what you need to do, or this is what you're not supposed to do, we want to do the opposite, right? We just want, alright, so you're, when you're growing up, and your parents tell you to go, to go to bed, it's time for bed, you need to go to bed, it doesn't matter how tired you were, as soon as they tell you what to do, you're just as wide awake and you don't want to do it, you know? So, so we don't really love rules, we don't really like rules, we feel like they put boundaries on us, they put limits on us, we, you know, we want to do, we want to push the limits, we want to push the boundaries and kind of do what we want to do, and sometimes if we have rules, it makes us feel like, oh, we can't do exactly what we feel like we want to do, um, and a lot of us, I don't know, how many of y'all like the movie Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. yeah, okay, so a lot of us like to think of rules like Captain Barbosa. Okay, and actually, I know Captain Barbosa is not really like the main guy, but he's like my favorite character of the whole movie <laughs> because you know Jack Sparrow is cool and he makes the movie, but Captain Barbosa is the pirate. He's the pirate's pirate, you know. And I really like pirates. I like pirate history type things. Um, the towns that I grew up in. The high school I went to is actually one of the towns where Blackbeard, the pirate, he had a, a home there. And so just pirate history is something I've always really enjoyed. And so I like Captain Barbosa. And in the movie, in the very first uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, there's uh, some scene where they take the girl, Elizabeth Swan, and they take her to the boat. And she's claimed uh, this thing called parlay. And what it is, it's a, it's a rule that the pirates have that if you say that you want parlay, then you have to go meet the captain. They can't kill you or something like that. And so they talk about this code. And what the code is, is called the Code of the Pirate Brethren. And so the Pirate Brethren is all the pirate leaders. They made up this code that they're supposed to go by. It's like rules that the pirates are supposed to follow. And so whenever... Uh, she claims parlay. They take her to the ship, and he's talking with her, and he's and uh, he's like, "Well, just throw her overboard." And she's like, "No, I claim parlay." You're not supposed to. He's like, "Well, he's like, the code's more or less guidelines than actual rules, you know." So for Captain Barbosa, it wasn't really rules that he had to follow. It's just, uh, you know, they're there, but we don't really have to do it. Of course he didn't. You know, he's a pirate. Are pirate? Do we expect pirates to follow the rules? No. <laughs> they go around and plunder and pillage and steal, and so we shouldn't expect them to do that anyway. So, but anyway, that's the point, though, is that when we think of rules, we we really like to think like Captain Barbosa when we have rules put in front of us and like uh, they're kind of guidelines. You know, maybe I'll follow them if it suits my needs. If not, maybe I won't. Um, and growing up, you know. 
when I went to elementary school, especially, there was always rules. You know, all the teachers had these rules. You can't do this, you can't do that. And I was one of those kids that really liked to push the boundaries. I didn't really want to always follow the rules that I was supposed to. And one of the rules that I really didn't want to follow was the one where they said, no talking, when the teacher's talking. <laughs> uh, so I always had something to say. Whenever they were talking, I wanted to say something. Even if it wasn't pertaining to whatever they were talking about, I always had something to say. And I remember one time when I was in first grade, the teacher kept telling me, Justin, you need to stop talking. Justin, you need to stop talking. And, and I, of course, wouldn't listen. I had to keep talking. And so eventually she's like, okay, well, I'm going to make you stay in for recess, and you're going to have to write sentences. And I was like, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> And she's like, oh, okay. So then she's like, instead of like 30 sentences or whatever, all right, we'll do 50 sentences. I was like, I don't think I still don't want to do that. So she like, we kept going back and forth, up and up and up until it was like, I don't remember. It was hundreds of sentences we got to. (laughs) And finally, they had to take me to the principal and call my dad. And he had to come to the office. And it was not a good day for Justin that day. I went home, my dad made me write all the sentences after the spanking and everything else that I had to get (laughs) Um, because I wasn't following the rules. You know, the rules were there. Do not talk. If I'd have just listened to the rules and done what I was supposed to do, I wouldn't have gotten in trouble. I wouldn't have had to go home that night and write all these sentences. And I remember that to this day. As little as I was, I'll never forget that lesson that I learned that day. I'm not going to tell you I never talked in class again. <laughs> but I remember that, that story. I remember getting in trouble. And, uh, but you know, the thing with rules is that rules are not... Sometimes we think, why do we have these rules? What are they for? They don't really help anything. But most of the time, though, the rules are there to help us. They're there to keep us from doing something we're not supposed to do, even if we don't understand it. I mean... If we have children that are running around in the streets and we've never told them don't run in the streets and they don't know. But when we tell them, hey, you don't run in the street because we know that there might be a car come come by and maybe hit them and they don't realize it, there's a reason for that rule. So they don't run out in the street and get hit by a car. And sometimes they don't understand that, but we as the adults that kind of see a little more, we know. And so today we're going to talk, if you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. And Paul, in this letter to the church of Colossians, we're going to look in this chapter 3 that, like a parent telling a child not to run in the streets, he gives us a list of rules that we are to live by. And these are not rules to keep us from things that we think we might want, but these are rules to actually help us. Um, to teach us how to live a holy life. It's the rules to help us live a life that is set apart, set for serving God. And when I was reading and studying this uh, scripture, how I even come up with the thing about the rules to live by is, you know how the Bibles have these little headers in between the different sections. And and mine said, rules to live a holy life. (laughs) So I was like, Hey, good enough. Don't you just love when the message just jumps out at you? <laughs> Don't even have to really do a whole lot of creativity. <laughs> um, but if you would, just turn to Colossians chapter 3. 
And we're going to be reading, it's a lot of scripture, so bear with me, but it's um, verses 1 through 17. And I'm going to go ahead and read all that um, for y'all. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is. Seated on the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who was your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all, and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. In any, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful that the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. If you would, bow your heads with me. God, we just come to you today. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word and to read of your word, God. And I pray that you would be with the hearts and minds of every individual in here. As you speak through me today, through your word, that we would come away from here closer to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So in this passage, there's a lot of scripture I know we just read through, but we're going to break it down a little bit. Paul gives us a set of rules to live by. And these rules are to teach us how to live a holy life. To live a holy life means that you are devoted. That you are devoted to God and you are set apart for His purposes. Which brings us to the big idea today. The big idea is our lives must be devoted to God. It must be devoted to God. So how do we live a life that's devoted to God? If we'll look through these scriptures, if you follow these rules to live by, this is how Paul tells us to live a life that is devoted to God that's holy. So the first rule to live by is set your heart and mind on things above. And that comes through verses 1 through 4. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who was your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. So if you're reading this, you're like, okay, set your heart and mind on things above. Well, what are things above? If you look at verse 1, it says, where Christ is. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus said in John chapter 14 that he was going to prepare a place for us. And that where he is, we might be with him also. Where he is, the right hand of God. Because of that, we have a hope that we can be with him in heaven. And no matter what happens in this life or, or what mistakes we might make, if we're followers of Jesus, we have the hope that we can be with God one day in heaven. So our hearts and uh, setting your hearts and minds on things above, first off, is setting your hearts and minds on heaven, the future glory that we will have with Jesus, where he is right now. Um, but not only is it just heaven and the future of what heaven will be for us, but it's right now what we're doing too. Setting your heart and mind on things above means you're setting your heart and mind on Jesus. Setting your heart and mind on what it is He wants you to do, how to live your life, to follow His will. It says in verse 3, For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ. If you want to live a life that's holy, if you want to live a life that's pleasing to God and devoted, then you must follow Him. You must follow His will. You must pray. You must seek His uh, direction for your life. And in Proverbs verses 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. So as you're trying to follow His will, and you're, and you're trying to figure out where to go, and you're setting your heart and mind on things above, it says that, lean not on your own understanding, but lean on Him. Lean on His understanding. Lean on the Word of God. And trust Him that He will make your path straight. You know, like Pastor Kevin mentioned when he was uh, introducing, introducing us that two years ago, my wife and I moved up here to Virginia. We didn't know anybody. We didn't have really any job money lined up, how we were going to live. We didn't know what we were going to do. We just were praying for a whole year while we were finishing school and saying, God, where do you want us to go? We know that you've called us into ministry somewhere. We don't know where it is, but we need to know, God, where you want us to go, and we'll follow you. And so during that time, we were really earnestly seeking the Lord's will and figuring out, all right, God, where do you want us to go? Um, we were praying, and, and it came about where we met Pastor Kevin, and we were praying about moving up here. And, I mean, that was a big step for us to come out and not know anybody to not have any income that we knew of, didn't know what we were going to do, but to move seven hours north um, and just start our lives here. And not saying that to like look at what we did or whatever, but just to know that as you're living your life, there's sometimes going to be things that come up where it doesn't really make sense on paper. When you look at it, you're like, I don't, I don't know if we should do this because I don't know what we're going to do. We don't have any money. How are we going to live? How are we going to pay bills? Um, where are we going to get food? I mean, all these things. But it was like, God was like, this is where you need to go. Don't worry about those other things. That'll take care of itself. I'll take care of that. I'll provide that for you. But you just need to follow. You just need to trust. Take this step. 
follow the path and I'll make it straight for you. And so, for us, that's what we did. We moved up here. Here it is almost two and a half years later. And, you know, I'm still eating. <laughs> you know? So, God's making a way. He's working it out every day. It's a new, a new day to try to follow God and try to follow the will. And you might not know the path way ahead of time. But just take that next step. Keep your mind and heart on things above, on God. And we must live in such a way that we're always thinking about what God wants. We must always live in a way that we're thinking about what His desire is for our lives. So that we're trusting Him and making our path straight. And, and as I also, as I was thinking about this, you know, I've not always done this like I should. I don't always do it like I should. And I was thinking of a story um, where I kind of did not keep my mind and heart on things above. And it came to me uh, just a few days ago, actually. But I remember there was a time, I'm a very task-oriented person. I like to get things done. I got, I got to go, 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 do, do, do. And sometimes that messes me up on trying to follow God. Because I put my plans in place and I need to do it. But sometimes he wants me to change my plans while I'm halfway through it. And I'm like, ah, I don't really want to do that. Because <laughs> it messes me up. And uh, I remember there was a time when I was in college. And I had a paper that was due or some kind of project. And I had said in my mind, after class, I'm going straight to the library. And I'm getting this knocked out because i got to do it. And on my way to the library... There was a boy that stopped me, and he was talking about some stuff he was going through. And he's like, you know, I really, I need, I need you to pray for me, and just going and pouring his heart out. And I was like, okay, good, I'll pray for you, and I'm keep going. Like, I don't got time for this. I got to go. I got things to do. And I remember later, like, God really like brought that up to me. I was like, you know, you were such a jerk. That you put your things that you needed to do ahead of spending time with this guy and praying for him. Like you should have stopped right then and prayed for him. And who cares how long it would have taken because he needed that right then. And I say that ashamed that I didn't do that, but also to let you know, like, you know, at that moment my heart and mind was not set on the things above. I wasn't worried more about the kingdom. I wasn't worried more about people around me that are hurting as I was about the list that I had to do, that I had to knock out. And, um, I mean, it's real easy. It's easy to get your focus off of things above. But that's one of those rules you know, that Paul tells us. If you would just keep your heart and mind on things above, you'll be living a life that's holy and devoted to God. And so the first rule set your heart and mind on things above. And if you notice, he also kind of contrasts that. It says, set your hearts and minds on things above, but not on earthly things. And that kind of gets us on to our second rule to live by, which is put to death your earthly nature. This is a hard one. Okay? Uh, we'll go ahead and verse, verses 5 through 11, read that real quick. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So he says, Put to death, therefore, what belongs to your earthly nature. You must kill what we're... What we're what that says is you must kill the sin in your life. If you think about it, that's, that's some strong language that he's given us. Put to death the earthly nature. He doesn't say, you know, stop doing it. You know, don't. That's probably not a good idea. He says, kill it. Kill it now. When you kill it, that means it's no more. There is no more of it. You can't just come back to it later. When you put it to death, you don't do it ever again. And so that's just, with, he uses that such strong language because it's that important. It's that important to him, and he wants them to know that it's that important. You know, he lists all these sins that we, we know that uh, we have to fight. The sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, malice, slander, filthy language, lying, racism. All these are, are put in here. Okay, that we, all of us, have issues with at least one or two of these, if not every one of them. At least some point in our life, we have done, committed one of these, or all of them, more than likely. And just a few of them, like, stood out to me that I kind of wanted to elaborate on. Because, I mean, if we're here, we could be here all day talking about all these sins that we don't need to do. <laughs> um, but a few of them, like, the, the sexual immorality... Um, the impurity, lust, all those kind of together. But, I mean, in this day and age, it's so easy to get caught up and swept up into that kind of a thing, into sexual immorality. I mean, everywhere you look, they're trying to sell sex. Everywhere. You can't go to the mall without the temptation being there of walking past a store that has pictures of things that you know, could make your mind wander, and next thing you know, you're lusting, sexual immorality, I mean, you're all up in that stuff. Everywhere you go. And the other one, uh, I don't know if you, you might not have caught this one as clearly, but the racism. Um, it says, let me uh, find it real quick. Too much. It says uh, in verse 11, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian. So when he goes through all that, in Bible time, the Jews and the Gentiles, that was like a racial thing. They hated each other. They did not like each other. And circumcised, uncircumcised, that's more language from the Jewish culture. But if you were circumcised, you were part of the Jewish culture. If you were uncircumcised, you weren't. And they didn't want to have anything to do with you because of who you were. And it had that uh, stigma, just like racism today. And, and you read the news, and you see it everywhere. 
There's racism that is rampant in this country and the whole world where people are trying to pin hate against each other because of who they are or where they come from. And so he says, I mean, I love when he says that here there is no Jew or Gentile. There is no circumcised or uncircumcised. In the body of Christ, that is not an issue. We don't care if you are a believer and if you follow Jesus, that shouldn't matter to you because we are all created in His image. We are all followers of Jesus. And so I really like that when I was reading that, I really wanted to, to bring that out because some people would just read over that like, what does that mean, Jew or Gentile, whatever. But I just wanted you to see that He's telling them there that racism is not to be tolerated. Racism is not of God. And, um, and it breaks my heart when I see in the news people that are prejudiced against other people because of where they come from or, or what they look like. And, you know, as believers, that is something that we really, really need to be fighting against. Uh, and so, uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about in this list is the anger. I mean, like I said, I just want to pinpoint a few of these. I know all of these we have issues with and we all have to deal with. But um, for me, personally, that's why I wanted to pick up anger because that's something that I have to deal with. And growing up, I had a lot of anger issues to deal with. Um, when I was in school, in middle school especially, I would get in fights with other people because of just stupid things. Really, looking back on it, it was dumb. The reason to get in fights. There was no, it wasn't for a good reason. It was just because they looked at me wrong or I looked at them wrong or whatever. And, you know, as a little punk kid, you got to like stand up like, yeah, you know. But, uh, man, I had to deal with that for a long time where I had a lot of anger built up inside of me that, that I wanted to lash out on people for no reason. And to, to this day, I still, that's something that I still struggle with personally inside um, getting angry at things that I shouldn't get angry about and and trying to set my heart and mind on things above and to kill the anger, the other sins that is in my life. If you look at verse 7 it says you used to live in these ways before Christ but now you must rid yourself of it. You must kill it. And so he acknowledges that you know we all deal with these things. We all deal with these sins. We all struggle. And we all, before coming to know Christ, we're living in this way. But he wants them to understand, he wants us to understand that once you accept Jesus, you don't have to do that anymore. And you, you shouldn't live that way anymore. You should try to kill the sin that is in your life. And like I said, we all have these sins that we deal with. And some of us, are we struggle with different things. Some people might not struggle with sexual immorality, but they struggle with alcoholism or something like, or vice versa. There are certain sins that some of us deal with, the other ones deal with it, but not as severe. It's not as much of a struggle. But there are a few, two or three, that, that you can identify with that you know, like, man, that's something I really struggle with. Something I need to try to help God be, Help me get over that. If we want to live a holy life, if we want to live a life that's devoted to God, we have to kill the sin in our lives. And there's a few ways. I know you're sitting there like, man, that's, some of these things are just hard for me to deal with. It's hard for me to get over these temptations. It's hard for me to kill this sin. 
There are things that we can do, though, to better help us. Um, one thing that we can do is set up guardrails. And if you know what guardrails are, if you're out on the street and you're riding around, you know, if you're going up a mountain and you're going on the road, they put a guardrail up so that you don't fall off the mountain. If you go, if there wasn't a guardrail and you fall off, you fall down the cliff and that would not be good. So you put the guardrail up so that you can keep on the path. You keep on the path that you need to be on. And just like those kind of guardrails, we need to set up guardrails in our lives to help us stay on the right path and get away from temptation. And uh, some examples of guardrails, I mean, like for me, for instance, like we said, sexual immorality, sex is everywhere, everywhere you look. You don't have to look for it. I mean, it'll come to you. And so on my computer, on my tablet, phone, whatever, I try to put up blockers so that things won't just pop up and lead to other things because I know that that is easy for it to happen. So that's a guardrail in my own life that I put up because I don't want to get off the path. I don't want to follow, fall into that temptation. And so a good thing for us to do is to pray and to meditate on things that we know of the two or three sins that we deal with all the time, that we keep falling into, we keep having these temptations. Kind of pray and meditate and ask God to reveal to us what are the things that happen in our lives that cause us to fall in that temptation. So like, for instance, the blockers. I mean, if something pops up and then you keep going down that path and then all of a sudden you're looking at things you shouldn't look at, if that's uh, something you deal with, then maybe you should put up blockers. Or if there are certain times where you anger is triggered, maybe you should figure out what causes the trigger and try to avoid that situation so that you know it's not going to happen again. In Proverbs verses 27... Um, chapters 27 verse 12 it says the prudent see danger and take refuge but the simple keep going and they suffer for it so if we want to be wise we want to be prudent we're going to figure out what the temptations are in our lives what triggers those things and we're going to seek refuge we're going to try our best to avoid those things um, as it says in Proverbs so the second rule is to put to death your earthly nature kill the sin in your life the third rule is to put on love. In verses 12 through 14, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. So here we have the list that's total opposite of what we just read in the second point, to put, put to death the sinful nature. Now we have the opposite. So he tells us how not to act, then he tells us how to act. Okay? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness. And the most important of all of them is to put on love. Love is the most important. He says in 1 Corinthians, Paul does, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. So it doesn't matter how good you do, how much faith you have. If you do everything you do, but you don't have love, 
you have nothing. So you have to put on love. You must truly love people the way that Jesus loves them. And if you do that, if you put that love first, you put on love, it's so much easier that all the others will follow. You'll be compassionate. You'll be humble. You'll be gentle. You'll be patient. You'll be able to forgive others when they do you wrong because you love them more than you are upset over what they've done to you. So how are we supposed to do all this? Okay? These are three pretty hard rules to follow and to live by. The problem is it's not easy. It really isn't. If you look at these three things, this is hard to do. Uh, If it was easy, we wouldn't need God, really, to do it for us. So in order to follow these, we must first follow Christ. And in verse 15 through 17, we must allow Christ to rule your life. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So we must allow Christ to rule in our lives. You must allow the peace of Christ to be in your heart. You must follow the word of Christ and allow it to dwell in you. You must read it, meditate on it, and allow it to change your heart, change your mind. In everything you do, it says you must do in the name of the Lord Jesus. He died for us so that we would have the ability the power to live a life that is holy, to live a life that is devoted to Him. And I want us to understand, too, that living this holy life that's devoted to God, it's not just going to be something that happens overnight. This is a process that we're all journeying towards. Yes, we can read a word and we can learn what to do. We can learn what not to do, just like it says here. Don't do these things and do yes, do these things. But like I said, it's not an easy task. And it's not going to happen overnight. Think of it as like training for a marathon. You know, 26 miles that you have to run. No one just gets off the couch one day and runs a marathon. If you do, I'd like to meet you. Because that's awesome. But no one does that. I mean, you think about it. To run 26 miles, it takes you a lot of practice. It takes a lot. You have to be able to run one mile first. You know, and then run five miles, and then run ten miles. It takes stamina, it takes building up and working. It's hard work to build yourself up to run a marathon. So, just like that, running a marathon, that's how it is for our lives as we're, we're processing and we're trying to learn to live a life that is devoted to God. It takes time. It takes a process. It takes us practicing and training. It takes us building our relationship with God. So these are pra- I just want to share with you just a few practical ways to help us begin the process to live a life that is wholly devoted to God. The first one is just through, like I said, building your relationship with Christ. That happens through regular times of prayer and reading the Word that He's given us. A lot of people want to 
sit back and say, well, God, I don't hear God speak to me. They think that it should be like the clouds opening up and angels are there and they're, and he, like God comes to you and he says something to you that's so awesome. But we have the Word of God. We have this book, the Bible, that is His Word that He has given and inspired men to write. So you don't have to sit around and wait for an audible voice. You can just open up the Bible. And every word you read is a word from God. So in order to live a a holy life, to begin that process, we must start by beginning that relationship with Jesus. By reading, by praying. The other thing we need to do is build our relationships with others who are journeying on this process as well. Because we're all on that journey. None of us are perfect. None of us have made it. None of us are where we want to be. But all of us are trying to get there. And we can help each other along. You can find people who are farther along the journey than you. That have already been where you are. They can help you bring accountability into your life. They can help you seek out where guardrails need to be put up and placed. You can join a small group here at church and study the Bible with other people that are believers that are trying to live out this journey together. You can find a ministry team to serve on. Pastor Mark said amen on that one. <laughs> you can find a team, and we have teams here at Thrive that, that love to serve. They love to do life together. And you can probably ask any of them that sharing life together and serving together is one of the most fulfilling things that they get to do because they get to share the love of God to each and every one of you every week. And they love it. So just by just doing these practical things of praying and and reading your Bible and hearing from God and coming into relationship with other believers. These things are practical ways that we can begin that journey, begin that process so that we can run that marathon. And today, I I know I've talked a lot about myself, but uh, I just want you to know that I'm not up here telling you, hey, I've got this all figured out. This is what you got to do. If you just do this, you're fine. Okay? Because I struggle with all these things as well. And, but I do want you to know that I am trying to, you know, every day be in relationship with Jesus. I'm trying to put people in my life that can help hold me accountable and bring me along farther where they are. And, you know, those things are helping me every day. So from that standpoint, I can tell you that if you have not done these things and you would continue to do, and you would start that and continue to do it, that you will see change come about in your life. And as I close, I just was wanted to bring up uh, just an example of someone that I have known who has followed these rules to live by. And most of y'all don't know, but a couple of months ago, I was actually in the middle of writing this message because I've known for several months that I would be here today and I wanted to get a head start on, you know, not be a last minute. And so a few months ago, I was in the process of starting the, writing this message. And, and during that time, uh, my father-in-law got sick. Uh, my wife and I were actually here helping to build this stage design the night that we had to rush to North Carolina um, and through a week of being there he didn't get any better and he ended up passing away and 
It was during that time I was writing this message and I was hearing all these people come up and talk to my wife and her family and just talk about how great a man he was and how they loved him and you know, I mean the way people do and um, and I was just thinking like this is a man that I know personally was following these rules to live by. He was walking out his life this way. And I mean, you know, put your hearts and minds on things above. He did that. And he did that through always being in communication with God. I mean, I remember countless times where we'd be talking just about random things, going to the trash dump or whatever. And he always had a way to bring conversation to God because that's just how he was. His heart, his mind were on things above. When he'd go by people that were less fortunate, you know, he would try to steer the conversation to God and ask them if they knew God because, you know, he didn't have a lot to give them and he'd give them what he could, but he knew that more than money or more than anything they could ever have, they needed God. He wanted to follow God's will for his life. And he followed that second rule to live by. Put the death, the earthly nature. I remember, again, multiple times, we'd be sitting in the house watching TV. And there'd be something pop up. Some woman, you know, barely dressed. And immediately changed the channel. I'm not going to look at that. He'd say, oh, I'm not going to look at that. Because he knew that he didn't want to let any of that in his mind and his thoughts. We go to a movie. It's harder to change a channel at a movie. But he had his popcorn and he just stared at the popcorn <laughs> and asked his wife, is it over? Can I look up? Because he didn't want to have those images in his mind. He wanted to put to death the earthly nature. He loved Jesus and he showed it to others. He put on the love of Jesus. About a year and a half ago, uh, our Root Student Ministry, they went to North Carolina for a conference. And um, it was kind of a last minute trip. A lot of people didn't have the money just to spur up and, and pay for this trip for their kids to be able to go to. But, and he don't even go to this church. But because we were here, he, he wanted to invite the church to come to this conference that he knew was for the youth, that would impact their lives. And we mentioned to him, we're like, well, we don't know if everybody's going to have the money to do this in such short notice. He said, don't worry about it. And he paid for 20 kids to go down to that conference out of his own pocket. And this was, again, I said this a while ago, but he's not a wealthy man. This was a sacrifice for him. A big sacrifice. I was, I handled the finances. I know how much it cost. And I know he didn't really have it. But he knew he wanted to invest into those kids. He wanted to put on the love of God and make sure that they knew Jesus. So he made sure that there was a way for them. And he was able to do all this not because he was a great man. Not because, you know, he had a lot of money. He did it because he put on the love of Jesus. And he allowed God, Jesus, to rule his life. He made it a priority to spend time with him. To read his Bible. 
He had a small group at his church of friends that he was a part of. He was in that church for 20 plus years. He had a group of friends that he did life with. Not just meet on at church, but they would get together on weekdays and cook and get together and they'd go to each other's houses and chop firewood and just things that they needed to do life together. And because of that, he had people that would build him up and he could build them up as well. That would keep him when he felt down, when he felt like he wasn't as good as he should be. They were there to help bring life into him through Jesus. And he served as a youth leader for over 20 years. Like I said earlier, you find a a team to serve on. He found a team to serve on at his church. And he served faithfully for 20 plus years. Through that, he was able to mentor several young men. That was something he loved to do. Bring the guys together and do a cookout. All the young guys. And at his funeral, there were three boys in particular that are my age that grew up with him. That's not their daddy. That's not really anybody to them family-wise, except for church family. And they spoke at his funeral. One of them is about to be a full-time missionary. He poured into that guy's life. And like I said, as I was writing this sermon, it just came to me that, man, he had followed these rules to live by. I just want to encourage you and share with you that there are people that are following these and you can too. Through the power of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to live in the mindset that I can't do this. I can't live a life that's devoted to God because it's too hard. You don't have to deal with that because Jesus has given us a way. He died so that we could do that. That's His desire is that we would love Him like He has loved us. And no, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not always going to be easy. But we have the help and the promise that Jesus will be there with us. That He will guide us. That He will make our path straight. We can live a holy, pleasing life devoted to Him. Today, as we close, I'd like for everybody just to bow their heads. And I want to pray for each and every one of you that are in here. If you are a follower of Jesus, that you would begin today, if you haven't, to live your life that is devoted to God. To live a life that is holy and pleasing to Him. So pray with me today. God, I just thank you, first of all, for your love. I thank you for loving us so much that you died for us. Because you want to have a relationship with us. God, I pray for each and every individual in here as they're going through these, what I'm calling rules to live by. As they're thinking through this, and they're thinking, man, this is so hard. I don't know if I'll be able to do this. God, I just pray that you would encourage them and give them the boldness to live a life that's devoted for you. God, if they struggle with keeping their hearts and minds on things above, I pray that you would give them the ability, the strength, the desire to do so today. God, if they're dealing with certain temptations, certain sins of their earthly nature that they just can't seem to put to death, it keeps coming back. They try and try again. 
God, I pray that you give them the ability, the strength to kill it today forever. That it wouldn't come back. That they wouldn't have to deal with it. God, I pray that you would put people in their lives that can help them set up guardrails and, and figure out ways to keep away from temptation. And God, I pray that you would help us all to put on your love. Put on the love that you have for us so that we can share your love to other people that we come in contact with that are hurting, that are struggling, that don't know you. And that's my prayer today for all of us, that we would follow you and we would share your love to others. Thank you, God. And guys, at this time, as you would continue to bow your heads and close your eyes, if today you've been listening to this message and you're like, well, I don't even know Jesus. I don't even know Him. I don't have a relationship with Him. If that's you today, but you say, today I would like to know who Jesus is, I would like to have a relationship with Him, please raise your hand. I want to pray with you today. No one's looking around. This is just time with you and God. Amen. Guys, if that's you, if you raised your hand, or if you didn't raise your hand, but you still want to know God today, know Jesus.